Let's take our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, our long-lost friend of Proverbs. Well, it's been four months since we've made a visit here. All right, so we're in Proverbs 28, starting a new chapter here as we go verse by verse through this book on Wednesday night. And we will... Cover all of one verse. Fifteen words. Inspired by the God of heaven. But I think there's a lot to say in here. And so, um, this is a really, really good verse to help our understanding about a lot of things. Proverbs 28, verse 1, the Bible says, The wicked flee... When no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Now, when somebody's running from somebody that's not there, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. That means that they've got some type of a mental issue. If you're afraid of something that's not there, does that make sense? But the Bible's letting us know in this case, it's not a mental issue, it's a spiritual issue. He didn't say that the mentally sick flee when no man pursueth. He said the wicked. There is something about the way you live that affects your mind. It affects the way you think. Now, It may not always happen tomorrow, but a lifestyle of wickedness or a lifestyle of righteousness affects your mental health. Now, we went through, was it back when we were all the way back in chapter 16 and COVID was going on and God just put us in that verse commit thy works, and verse 3, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. And we, we began talking about mental health and about how the fact that there are some people that have real mental sicknesses and there are also people that have real spiritual sicknesses. And, you know, that's a big thing going on right now that, that they say there's such mental, such huge mental illnesses in our society and that's not just affecting lost people, that's affecting people from all kind of walks of life. And I'm not going to re-preach all that on mental health. I just want to say this, that when we look at the way we think and, and what's going on in, in our thought process, in our minds, the first thing we need to check is, is our spiritual condition. I'm not saying there's not other reasons. I'm just saying the first thing I need to do is to check whether or not I have a spiritual sickness. Because spiritual sickness does affect your mind. Okay? Our verse, the wicked... Flee when no man pursueth. So that's what you call paranoia. Somebody is so paranoid, they think someone is following them. When there's nobody there. And that's a very real thing to somebody. I mean, it's so real that they are running. They're fleeing away. 
Because they're so paranoid that there's somebody watching them or there's someone out to get them or there's some, somebody that wants to hurt them or there's somebody lurking in the shadows or things that go bump in the night in my house or somebody that, 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 that's going to kill me but I get up and I turn all the lights and there's nobody there. But, but I'm always constantly living in fear. That's paranoia. That's all types of phobias. Uh, you know, the, the definition of, of paranoia is unjustified suspicion. And even it says mistrust of other people or their actions. You know, some people are so paranoid about other people that they're convinced somebody wants to hurt them. They, they don't have any proof of it, but it's in their mind. You know what will help that? I'm not saying it's always a cure of it. But a good, righteous life brings boldness in your life. It does not bring fleeing or imaginations of things. Paranoia is unwarranted or delusional belief. Listen to this. This is a dictionary. Unwarranted or delusional beliefs that, that one is being persecuted, harassed, or betrayed by others. This occurs as a part of a mental condition. You know how many people are convinced that they are being persecuted or harassed or betrayed and it's all a figment of their imagination? I'm telling you, people live this way. And what I think what the Bible's trying to get us to, to, to understand, these phobias that people have, a phobia is an extreme or irrational fear or aversion to something. And you say, why, why are you giving us these definitions? Because the wicked flee and there's nobody that's chasing them. There's nobody after them. There's nobody trying to hurt them. There's nobody trying to ruin their life. But because their life is on outs with God, they imagine all these things and they're never comfortable in their own skin and they're never uh, stable in their own life and they don't have... Because they, they really believe that something is pursuing them even if it's not true. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that way. And I'd say this, you said, preacher, I don't think somebody's pursuing me. And I'm, well, what about this? Why don't you just quit worrying about stuff that's not real? Or how about quit worrying about stuff that hadn't happened? You know, you know what people are so afraid of? And they flee. They flee in their life and they try to figure out all these things. Well, what, what are we going to do in a nuclear fallout? I wonder how many people in this building have Googled, what do we do if there's a nuclear fallout? How many rations do I have to have? How, how long do I have to stay underground? You know, you know, we're, you know, we're, and, and hey, it can happen in the next six months. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. It could really happen. What do we do if, if America goes into, to, hits another Great Depression? That could really happen. We are $31 trillion in debt. 31! There ain't going to be very many more bailouts, brother. There's nothing to bail out with. A hole is in the boat and you can't get the water out of it fast enough. Well, what are we going to do? How do we need to prepare? How do we got got a plan for all these catastrophes? 
The catastrophes have not come. The evil is not here. You don't run when it's not. You say, well, that could be. You know what Jesus said? Listen to me. You know what Jesus said? Here's what Jesus said. Take no thought for the morrow. That's what Jesus said. He didn't say, take some thought for the evil that's coming. He didn't say that. He said, don't worry about it. You know what he said? Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. If evil is coming, you're not going to be able to do anything to prepare for it anyway. You've got to have trust and confidence in a big enough God that is bigger than the evil. Are we, do we really think we can get ourselves out of all these jams? Oh, here comes the evil. What do I have to do? You, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. So what do I do right now? You live your life for God. You stay happy for the blessings you have now. You praise Him and you quit being so paranoid about something that's not even here yet. You don't run when nobody's after you. Well, Russia, they're not after you. They don't even know who you are. (laughs) But the wicked, they see a booger man behind every tree. They see catastrophe on every corner of life. And you know why that is? Because there's something wrong in their heart. I read this from a guy, 1800s. He said this. Guilt. Listen to this. You know, there's a lot of people carrying a boatload of guilt in their life. Listen listen to this quote. Guilt is the parent of fear. When there are things in your life that you know you're guilty of, it haunts you. And you can't ever get away from the fact that you know something in your life isn't right. Oh, I know the wicked sometimes, they seem confident. They do. Until their conscience awakes. Until in the night or some event occurs. And their conscience comes. And then they are, then they are so uh, consumed with fear because they don't know what God's going to do to them or the devil's going to do to them or their sin's going to do to them or the consequences of their life. The wicked flee when no man pursue it. But you know what? If you, if you remove that guilt, there is such liberating confidence when you know you're right with God. You know, if you're not right with God, you know what you're probably thinking? You're not only thinking, is the devil after me? You may be thinking, is God after me? What's God going to do to me because blank? You, You see what I'm saying? When our lives are not right with God, yeah, there's a lot to be paranoid about. You don't know if God's just going to chasing you or what he's going to allow in your life because you won't get right with him. You understand? So a great motivation of our living and even of our thinking is to have our hearts right with God. Here's a couple of illustrations. How about Adam in the garden? Isn't this a hilarious thing? There are only two human beings in all the world, right? Two human beings in all the world. Adam and Eve. And they sin against God. So they did something wicked, right? What do they do? They hide. You know what they say? They say they're afraid. What are they afraid of? 
The animals are not eating them. There's nobody going to come kill them because it's just them two. Do you see the fear that's gripping Adam and Eve? In paradise! You say, well, God's coming. Yeah, but He's not coming. We heard Brother Knox preach that. He's not coming to kill them. Why, why are they so afraid? Because they're wicked. And when you're wicked, you are terrified when your conscience starts working on you. How about another? You don't get very far out of the garden. Cain. Cain killed his brother. And so God comes to him and, and gives a judgment on him. And, and Cain says, my punishment's greater than I can bear. He said, everybody that finds me is going to kill me. Who's going to kill you? Your sister? Can you think that through with me? Why is Cain so paranoid? He said, anybody meets me, who's going to meet you? It's Cain. It was Abel and Adam and Eve. You see how paranoid he is? Everywhere I go, they're going to kill. There ain't nobody out there, Cain. But you know you're wicked. And you're having a hard time living with that wickedness in your own conscience. And so you're running. And you're never comfortable in your own skin because you know you're not right with God. You see that? What a great motivation to stay right with God. I think every one of us have experienced that. Times in our life we knew we weren't right with God and we were just afraid about a lot of things we shouldn't have been afraid of. But when you're right with God and your heart's right with Him and you've kept short accounts with Him, there is a confidence that comes in your life. Not in yourself. Let me show you that in the Bible. Go go to Leviticus chapter 26 and grab Psalm 53 on the way. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. That is a serious, serious sickness. Again, we have got to stop worrying about stuff that isn't real or hasn't happened. And if your life is right with God, you can trust Him. You can have confidence in Him. Yea, you can have boldness. There there are very few people that have real boldness in their life. But the righteous are supposed to have it. Leviticus, watch Jesus tells uh, tells the children of Israel this. When when they're not doing right, he he already told them what what happened. Leviticus chapter 26. And uh, let's start reading reading in verse 14. He said, but if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments... See, there's a, there, there are so many consequences for not doing right, guys. And some of it is in your brain. Amen. Do you, you know how paranoid Saul was? Why is he trying to kill the very guy that's been fighting for him? Because he's wicked. And he's imagining things that aren't even true. Leviticus 26, what's what, what the Lord says to the children of Israel. 
verse 14, Leviticus 26, 14. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgment so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I will also do this unto you. <laughs> I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning ague that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. Now watch this. Watch verse 17. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you. Watch this. And you shall flee when none pursueth you. Look at verse number 36, same chapter. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness. Watch this. A faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. Watch this. This is an amazing statement. And the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. They're so pretty, they hear the leaves rustling. Somebody's coming. Let's go. Brother, when leaves scare you, you got a problem. That's the consequence of not doing right. The sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee, watch it, as fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none pursueth. Psalm 53. Psalm 53, verse 5. Look at verse 4. Psalm 53, verse 4. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge... Who eat up my people as they eat bread. They have not called upon God. Verse 5. There were they in great fear where no fear was. For God hath scattered the bones of him that had come against thee. Thou hast put them to shame because God uh, hath despised them. He says they were in great fear. But there's, no, there's nothing to be afraid of. Guys, you all know when you were a kid and you were afraid of things in the dark. Isn't it, isn't it crazy when you turn on a light you're not afraid anymore? Like it's a different room. It's like you, you go out in the woods, you're scared to death if it's, if it's dark, but you're not afraid if you go out there in the daytime. Whatever's out there at night is out there at the daytime. But there's something in our hearts many times that make us afraid because we have no confidence in God because we know we're not right with Him. So that leads me back to our text in the other half of the verse, because we don't want to just look at the first half. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. That's pretty bold. Um, I've seen enough little video clips that I know if you go in the jungle, amen, on a safari, and walk up to a lion and go, boo, he's probably not going to run from you. He's not, he, he's not afraid of you. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. Because, Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. You see, it's, it's, not, it's not boldness in you, it's boldness in in your God. Proverbs 3.21, he talks about 
keeping sound wisdom and uh, it'll be life under your soul, grace to your neck. Thou shalt walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble when you lie down. Thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Verse 25 of Proverbs 3, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. Why? For the Lord shall be thy confidence. If you know you're right with God, if you have confidence in your God, you know what you know? You know that Romans 8.28 is not a cliche. It's real. That all things will work together for good to them that love the Lord. Now, if you don't love the Lord, if your life's not right, you, you don't know if what's going on in your life's going to work together for good or not. But if you love the Lord more than anything, when sudden fear cometh, you say, well... Trusting in the Lord. Ephesians 3.12, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Hebrews 13, verse 6, We may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. But if you're not right with Him, you don't know whether He's going to help you or not. But if He's first in your life, and you've kept short accounts with him. And you've stayed right with him the best of your ability. Lord will help me. You know, even in our prayer life, we're not supposed to approach the Lord timidly. He said, let us therefore come what? Boldly to the throne of grace. You know it's hard to come boldly to the throne of grace when you ain't been living right. But if you've been doing your, de- and we're all sinners, but when you have been doing your dead level best to confess your sin and obey God and love the Lord and put Him first in your life, it helps your prayer life. Because you're not coming in fear, oh God, I'm sorry again, I did it again. Now thank God He'll hear that too and forgive us. We know He will. But the righteous are bold as a lion. I've always loved to read a history books, especially on the war between the states. If you come in my office, you see that. If you've got, to have, if you've got a problem with that, I'm sorry. <laughs> but one of my favorite characters is Stonewall Jackson. And for a lot of reasons, not just for his boldness, but I mean, he, was, he started the first black Sunday school in all the South to teach when it was illegal to teach the kids the gospel. But that was in Lexington, Virginia. But Stonewall, the reason they called him Stonewall, because he was just so bold. I mean, the bombs were going off, the cannons were shooting, and he's up there on his horse right in the middle of everything. Just That's what he said, look at Jackson, he's standing like a stone wall. Everybody's on their face, everybody's scared to death, everybody's running. And Stonewall Jackson's on his horse just sitting there. <laughs> telling the people, go, go, fight, what's wrong with y'all? Read the battle of, first battle of Manassas. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing in courage. He was bold. They asked him one time, they said, his soldiers did, they said, General Jackson, how can you, you're so comfortable on the battlefield. I mean, it, it's like it doesn't bother you. Bullets are whizzing by, people are dying, people are screaming, and you, you don't even care. They said, how can you be that way? You know what he said to them? Listen to this. He said, 
My religion teaches me. Listen to this. My religion teaches me to be as comfortable on the battlefield as in the bed. Because this is what he said. I believe that the day of my death has already been fixed by my God. And I'm good with it. That's my phrase. I'm not worried about it. You know that's a good way to live. I believe that's the way George Washington lived. They couldn't believe it. He didn't get killed on the battlefield. You know, we have a lack of boldness in society. We have a lack of bold Christians and bold, bold men and women for the Lord. And I think some of that stems from our lack of morality. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Do you remember where we were just this other Sunday morning? Go, go to 1 John chapter 4. We were just there about this thing of boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. He says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of what? In the day of judgment. We have boldness in the... How can we have boldness in the day of judgment? Look at it. Because as He is, so are we in this world. In other words, I am linked with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite... Let me, let me help you with that little phrase. The righteous are as bold as like you said. Preacher, there's none righteous. No, not one. How can any of us be bold? Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is made unto us righteousness. The Bible tells me in Romans chapter 4 that if I believe God, He has imputed righteousness to me. He's given me righteousness. He's counted righteousness to me. That's why I can have boldness in the day of judgment. Because I've been made righteous by God. I've been declared righteous by the Lord. You see how righteousness is connected with boldness? Jesus has given me His righteousness, His character. So I got boldness. Not standing in my own righteousness, I'm standing in His. But having said that, you know, even though you may be saved and you've got the imputed righteousness of Christ, you, we don't always live like it. And that'll take away your confidence. That'll take away your boldness. You know what they said about Jesus? They said, uh, I'll just read to you, I don't want to get it wrong. He spake with such authority and with such boldness. This is what they said about Jesus. They couldn't believe it because they knew the Pharisees and the scribes and chief priests, they hated his guts, they wanted to kill him. And he was just out there boldly speaking. Wasn't cowering, wasn't trimming the message at all. And this is what the multitude said about Jesus. It said in John 7... uh, in verse number 26, they said, But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. I love that. They're trying to kill him, and he's speaking boldly, but they don't say a word to him. You know the thing about Peter and John in the book of Acts, when they saw Peter and John in that temple... The Bible said they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus when they saw their boldness. Not not even when they saw 
heard their doctrine or saw their morality. Are you listening to me? When they said, we have not, the last time we saw that boldness was when a guy was walking, amen, on the Sea of Galilee and down here in Jerusalem, and he wasn't afraid of nothing, and he spoke the word of God with boldness. And that's just like those two guys right there. Now, do we want to be like Jesus? We're going to have to have some boldness about it. Now, boldness is not arrogance. And some people don't, they don't get that. They think being arrogant is bold. That's not, that's, not what that's not what boldness is. Boldness is confidence in God and in His message. It's not confidence in me or my ability. It's not being unkind. No, His boldness was in the truth. And so we're probably never more like Jesus when we, when we show that boldness. And there's a lot of people cowering down. You, you know what? It is hard to be a witness to your friends, your neighbors, and your relatives and boldly tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ when you know that they know you hadn't been living right. You see how righteousness helps you be bold as a lion? It is hard to be bold for the Lord to somebody that really knows you well (laughs) and they know all the parts of your life that aren't right. So what another wonderful reason for me to keep my heart right and my life right so that when I step out there and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, I can have boldness to do it because my life has been the righteous life that God wants me to live. I don't have to cower. Guys, we we live in such a perverted society. It is not the day to cower down to society. The righteous are bold as a lion. We are not to be afraid of what we believe. We, are not, we should not be afraid to speak what we believe. Even when nobody else believes it. Amen. I don't do social media, but if I was on there, I would be throwing it out there. And if you've got that and you don't do that, then get off of it. There ain't no reason, there ain't no other reason to be on there. Throw out the truth. Put that, put the be bold. Put, and you don't even have to give your opinion. Give, put the Bible out there. Put it in all caps. That freaks them out, you know. Somebody gets a text and it's all caps. They're yelling at me. I knew a guy, he just had his caps on all the time. Every text he sent was caps. Just every email, he, every email this preacher sent me is all in caps. I started doing that one time because, you know, if you're lazy, you don't want to go. Right? But I learned I couldn't do that. I sent an email to one guy. This is years and years and years ago. I sent an email to a guy one time. It was all caps. He, he sent me an email back and said, what is your problem? Why are you yelling? <laughs> I sent you an email. What do you mean I'm yelling? But I'm telling you what, if I was on social media, it would all be caps. Our door hangers are bold. They're not unkind, but they're bold. Here's a picture of heaven. Here's a picture of hell. Here's a staircase to go one, a staircase to go Where are you going? Because you need to come face to face with your eternity. Something needs to catch your attention before you throw it in the waste can. What in the world am I going to hell? Turn it over. Jesus said, 
Jesus said. Jesus said. We've got to be bold about that. And the righteous are as bold as a lion. Where does that get produced? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm about finished. Apostle Paul said, pray for me that God will open a door uh, of boldness for me to speak. And he said, he said there in Ephesians chapter five, 6, 6, as you turn to Acts 4, he says, as I ought to speak, we ought to speak boldly. God forgive, God have mercy, I should say, on all these people that either preach or teach and they apologize during the message what they're trying to say. Just sit down and forget it. This is what the Bible says, but I know, you know, I know. No, 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 no. It's just, this is what the Bible says. You don't have to apologize for it. You can say it boldly and still say it with a heart for people. But don't take the edge off. Everybody's wanting to take the edge off the Bible. The edge is there to cut away the wickedness. The edge is there to do the surgery. Mm. He said in Acts chapter 4, by the way, verse 13 is that verse I quoted a minute ago, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived their ignorant, unlearned men, they marveled, took knowledge of them, they'd been with Jesus. But drop on down, it says in verse 29, so here are all the Christians, they get together, and this is what they pray for. Acts 4, 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. I mean, they're threatening to kill and imprison and beat these Christians. You know probably what we'd do if they, <laughs> you know, if we were living in one of these communist countries where they're going to beat you or kill you or throw you in prison, if, you know what we'd probably be praying? I'd just be honest with what I'd be praying. God, please, I don't want to go to jail. Lord, please protect my family. Is that what you would, that's what, that's, I just got to be honest with you. Lord, don't let my kids get violated. Don't get, let them get killed. That's what I'd be praying. Oh, God, please help us. Please have mercy upon us and keep us safe. That's, that would be my prayer. Here in the early part of the book of Acts, that's what they're going through. They're, they're being threatened. They're being imprisoned. They're being killed, many of them. And this is their prayer, not for deliverance. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. What a request. Oh, God, please, please get us out of the nuclear fallout. Oh, God, please change the administration. Please stop this inflation. Please help my, my job. Give me more money, Lord. Please, I can't pay my bills. Lord, here's the famine coming. Can you please give us some food to eat? What are we going to do, Lord? Please help us. And they're praying, God, would you just give us boldness so we can speak your word to these people? You know what God said? Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with what? Boldness. You know where boldness comes from? The Holy Ghost will put it in your heart. But he don't put it in your heart if you're not living right. He, don't, he doesn't feel dirty vessels. 
You know, if you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't be afraid at night. You said, preacher, what are you? You wouldn't. Because God didn't give you spirit of fear. You say, well, what if somebody's in the house? Get your gun. I'm not telling you to be stupid. I'm just saying that fear. What was that? Probably a mouse. What was that? Maybe a devil running through your cabinets. I don't know. Who cares? Am I afraid of the devil? If you resist the devil, he's the one that'll run. You know why? Because he's wicked. Wicked run. There is no reason for the devil to run away from us. You are not going to tie him up by the tail. You are not going to sit him on a tack. You are not going to bind the devil, by the way. He is loose until the Lord Jesus Christ binds him up and throws him in the bottomless pit. He's not bound at all, and you're not going to do it. But when he comes to you, because he's so wicked... And because you belong to Jesus Christ and His righteousness, you can resist the devil and he will flee. You know why? That's the difference between being wicked and being righteous. Doesn't even make any sense, does it? So they're praying for boldness and the Holy Ghost puts it in their heart. We'll read just three more verses. We'll be finished. Acts chapter 9. Acts 9 verse, I just like these, I love these verses on boldness. Acts 9, we'll leave 27 29, both has it in there. Acts 9 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared how that he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now he had a lot of, he had a lot of baggage. How do you go from killing Christians to being one? How do you go from throwing people in jail because they're preaching the gospel to you preaching the gospel? Don't you think that'd be sort of hard to live down in your mind? How can you step out there and boldly preach after all you've done? You see how the devil plays on us? Because Paul knows that he's been saved and he's been changed and his life is right with God and he's going to step out there and preach boldly in the name of Jesus to people that he used to hobnob with and conspire with to kill the Christians. That's an amazing verse. Verse number 29, and he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. That didn't change his boldness. Chapter 14, Acts 14. Acts 14, verse 3. I like this verse too. Acts 14, 3. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord which gave testimony unto the word of His grace. They did it for a long time. They're not going back now. One more verse, chapter 19, Acts 19. Acts 19, verse number 8. You know what the world doesn't like? They don't, they don't like bold preaching. They don't, they don't like anybody say anything bold. It makes them uncomfortable. And bold preaching is going out of style, amen, just about as fast as neckties and whatever else is going out of style. I don't know. 
People, people don't want that. That's loud. You don't have a problem with anything loud. You've got a heart problem. Your music's loud. Your videos are loud. Your ball games are loud. Little League's loud. Your wife's loud. Everything in your house is loud. Don't tell me the preaching's too loud. You've got a problem. You've got a heart problem. Your kids are loud. God, have mercy, your kids are loud. And now you've got a problem with it in the pulpit? It's a heart problem. People don't want bold preaching. They want effeminate preaching. Or they want teaching. Or they want suggestions. They don't want command. They don't want, to open. They don't want anybody to open the Bible and say, this is what God said, deal with it. They don't want that. But that's what it takes for people's lives to be changed. The Bible says in Acts chapter 19, and our forefathers did this. It's not like it's a new thing. Acts 19, verse number 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. That takes boldness. That would be just as difficult as walking into a bar or walking into a party with all of your former buddies before you got saved and saying, hey, I want to say a word. And tell them that's what he's doing in that synagogue because he was one of them. And he boldly spake in the name of the Lord Jesus. And people need to hear our bold witness. But I'm telling you, it's only the righteous that are bold as a lion. And God help us to get thoroughly right with God so that we don't cower in the face of danger, whether it's perceived or not real or real. But they will say, Lord, you left us here on purpose and we want to speak up for you. Speak in grace. Season it with salt. Not back down. But boldly be the lion. I mean, guys, the wicked, they speak pretty loud. And may the Christians not be the quiet ones. 